the answer. Maggie's a real witch now. She can reverse the spell. I don't want to reverse the spell. I can out the moon and eat rats. want to change either. Now I can pull horses out of the mud. Then girls will like me. And I'm Jared from the subway ads. I'm only a little overweight and sexually ambiguous. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, a very special episode because it's Halloween time again. Not really, but it is for this episode because we're reviewing episode GABF17. It is Trias of Horror 16. I'm Dando. And I am Guy. And yes, look, any time of the year is a good time to get, get your spook on, as they say. Um, not going to lie, though, compared to previous Tree Houses of Horror, found this one a little bit hit and miss, and not just in the second segment, if you know what I mean. But boom. Um, your thoughts, Dano? Just I love I love this one. Oh yeah, this one's probably okay. the, it's probably my favorite one I've, I've done in a long time. Maybe I was just in a good mood. I'm not too sure, but I thought this was for me. My idea of a perfect Treehouse of Horror. It's gonna have a sci-fi story. It's gonna have a story full of gore. And it's gonna have a story that just feels like a classic Halloween tale. And that's what we got here. I feel. I feel like the first one was the sci-fi. Second one was the more gory, bloody, you know, shooting everyone, getting killed. And the third one was just the classic Halloween tale of everyone dressing up for Halloween. I really enjoyed it. I thought it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't filled with laughs, but it just felt very uh, comforting to me. I just really enjoyed. It. I thought this, the the mix really nailed it in my in my opinion. I can understand why it would meet your needs in that regard. And look, I didn't think there was anything necessarily wrong with it. It just felt like I wanted it to be an eight, and it felt like a six to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, having said that, I mean, I, I don't know. I think maybe my issue with it probably lies with the middle one, lies with survival of the fattest. I just didn't think it was all that entertaining or all that funny. Uh, I, I, okay. I quite like the other two, I've got to say. I mean, um, I thought Artificial Intelligence was, you know, a, a pretty good riff on uh, on the Steven Spielberg movie AI and uh, had some other good stuff in it as well. And I was I was really taken with, um, was it, I've... Uh, <laughs> I've grown a costume on your face. I've grown a costume on your face. Mainly, partly because of that, uh, of that title, which I think is a pretty neat pun. That had a really nice sort of... Spooky, but not too fun scary. Spooky. Yeah, yeah, fun, spooky Halloween feel. It's the kind of one you can put on and enjoy with the kids, that one. Absolutely. Although it does have one joke that has aged incredibly badly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is which made my favourite moments. I'm pretty sure I know what it is. <laughs> uh, no, I think it made one of my favourite moments as well, but it was just like, oh, boy. <laughs> but they couldn't help that. They couldn't help that. Mate, hey, who Simpsons knew? predicted another thing. <laughs> who, who, who knew at that time? <laughs> yes. But yeah, so you, you, you thought the second one was one that brought it down for you. I've, I've read that in a few of our um, comments here when I posted that we're going to be reviewing this one this week. That the, the second one, what was it called? The survival of the Fattest? I survival of the Fattest, survival. yeah. Yeah, I, know, I enjoyed it. I um, it, It's not huge on laughs, like I was saying at the start, but I just thought there was enough here where, they did, to me, nothing felt like filler, except for maybe the intro. I thought the intro went a little bit too long. I get it, you're going for the boring angle, but mm-hmm. maybe just because I'm not a baseball guy. I want to be a baseball guy. I just never really got into baseball. Baseball's not a huge thing in Australia. Maybe because of that, I didn't really, the joke sort of maybe went over my head, but I just thought it just dragged on a little bit, that little open, because it just felt like it was wasting time. I No, I know exactly where you're coming from. I feel like pretty much exactly the same way. I was like, wrap it up, guys, wrap it up. Get to the, uh, get. let's get to the fireworks factory. Um, yeah. But, 
yeah, the gags weren't necessarily that great. There were one or two okay ones in there, mainly you know Fox. I mean, all the Simpsons poking the uh, poking fun at Fox as they as they want to do. Um, but no, I was happier when they got to the actual spooky meat of the uh, of the episode. I thought if you're ever going to have a Treehouse of Horror where you have the recurring story throughout, you know how they, back in the earlier days they had the um, the little, uh, what were they called, the little, little shorts in between to sort mm. of say, you know, they cut back to Bart with the paintings or Marge or whatever. I thought this one could have been all right if you had the baseball right to emphasize how boring and slow it is. Just yeah. have uh, in between each segment, just have them going, they're still doing Go this <laughs> or whatever. So like you could you could have had the, the guy with the, with the bubble gum, um, b- bubble going bigger and bigger and then came mm. to sort of going, Ugh, let's just go to the first segment. Get the first segment ends, cut back from commercial, and the bubble still hasn't popped. Not just a things bad like idea. that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know the way they set it up with uh, yeah Kang and Kodos and the and the baseball game that just never never ends uh, until the whole universe ends. Yeah, it was fine, I guess you'd say, but uh, yeah, not necessarily one that's gonna linger in my memory for too long. I would, like no, I said, no. I was happy when they got to the stories. But thank you guys for tuning into the show this week. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you do want to support us, you can do it by becoming a patron of the show. Now, Mr. Davis, I announced on the um, on the patron this week and on our Twitter that if we hit a thousand subscribers on our Patreon, when we hit that big thousand mark, we'll do a Bob's Burgers pod called Bob's Pods. So if you're a Bob's Burgers <laughs> fan and you like what we do here, become a patron. As soon as we hit a thousand patrons, Got to make it worth our while. We're already doing plenty of shows for you guys in your position every week. We do here. If you want us to do another one, make it worth our while. It might only cost you one single dollar we do a month to make it happen. So if you're listening now and you're not a patron, you want to support us and you want to hear a Bob's Burgers pod from yours truly, become a patron. The link in the description of this podcast. If all of you just donated one dollar, we'd be set. We'd be fucking making podcasts every day for you guys. <laughs> we'd be damn hell ass kings. So yes. don't, don't leave me hanging. What happened? Uh, well, we started getting patrons, and I'll be reading their names out. But we, ha- we haven't hit the thousand yet, Mister Davis. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> but, we, we, but I'm just reminding you guys. But we're getting closer. We're, we're getting, getting closer. closer and closer. So the more and more of you that subscribe to the um to the Patreon, you're going to get you know early ad free access and all the bonus podcasts, Tales of Future, I'm a movie guys, and all the others. But you'll also get a Bob's Burgers podcast if you guys all jump on board. So you don't have to, Ooh. but if you want that Bob's Burgers pod to happen, it's in your hands, people. You have the power, so use it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wow. Hey, my favourite. What were your favourite moments from Treehouse of Horror 16? In the first one, uh, look, I'm always happy to see Wise Guy, as you know. So when he showed up from Boys R Us, which I thought was also a pretty funny gag. um, Yeah, happy to see Wise Guy, but even happier when um, Homer is taking the uh, the new kid out for a test drive and uh, strangles him with and says, why you metal? Which I'm like, Clever, not too bad. Uh, funny gag, funny gag. So, um, yes, I enjoyed that very much. In um, Survival of the Fattest, I did like it when they're all sitting around Burns' uh, big table. They're sort of getting uh, the gist of uh, his evil plan. And <laughs> was it, I think it was Lenny said, no, no, Carl says, hmm, wonder what kind of a motive he's got. Ulterior. <laughs> <laughs> Just we- well delivered. A well-delivered gag. I like that. And who says there was no funnies <laughs> in that one? <laughs> <laughs> there was one funny. Yeah. Uh, and then we go to I've Grown a uh, Costume on Your Face. I feel bad talking about it because I get the feeling you want to talk about it, but let's talk about it now. The fact that they make a joke about Jared from Subway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also referring to him as sexually ambiguous. Yeah, I know. I think, I, I'm slight, a little overweight. 
but slightly and, and, and sexually ambiguous. I'm like, oh my. I don't think there's anything ambiguous about uh, Jared, who is now doing a very lengthy prison term for crimes that we will not discuss here due to matters of good taste. It's a hard <laughs> knock life for, for Jared. <laughs> well, he's, he's definitely getting the foot long. Yeah, he is indeed. It, <laughs> how long have you been sitting on that joke for? Uh, so, is it I about as long as he's been ge- sitting on it? <laughs> is it is it Jerry or Jared? I always thought it was Jerry. Jared. Jared. Okay. All right. There you go. I've got Jerry in my notes for some reason. But yeah. But yeah, look, the, if if you don't know what we're talking about, that's not a laughing matter. To, it's it's no laughing matter except when it is. But feel free to uh, Google Jared Subway Jail. Yes, he's in. <laughs> He's in big trouble. My favourite moments were, I just loved Homer getting a kick out of just shooting the David robot. <laughs> just sort of sitting in the couch, <laughs> killing his Saturday afternoon, just shooting and having a great time. But he can't go past for me, besides the um, the subway gag in the last one. I love Skinner uh, as the G.I. Joe. So Skinner's like, I'm fine, mother. Opens his pants. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I thought um, there was plenty of laughs in this one. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, Mr. Davis, it is time for trivia. Before we do that, we're going to read out the names of some of our patrons. Remember, $5 or more gets you a shout-out on the podcast. So the first shout-out goes to our man, Elliot J. O'Neill, from the Simpsons Ooh. Index podcast. He has donated $100 redos, as always, so we love you, sir, for your support. So make sure you guys, if you're listening now, check out the Simpsons Index podcast. Also, shout out to our man, Andrew Zer, for chucking in $50 redos. You're an absolute legend as well every single month. Thank you so much. Now, Thank you, Zer. Also, also shout out to the following people. we got Jordan Molman, Richie, Christopher Darby, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Pete Anderson, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Kevin Denzel, Plan Flood, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, Bella Winderbank, Mark Boston Burgess, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, Agent McLeod, and Lewis Kavanagh, and the newest members of the $5 plus family here on Patreon. We've got Reagan Hill, Plain Old Matt, and Simpsons underscore tweets. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. Remember, $5 or more gets you a shout out on the podcast and early for ad free access to all the shows we do here on the network, which includes 20 plus hours every single month that we produce for you guys. 20 plus hours every single month for you guys to enjoy. All right, Mr. Davis, it's now time for some trivia. Let's get into it. What's your first question? Ooh, okay. My first question to you is, what is airing Tuesday night on Fox? Not Wednesday night, because that's Pomona, the uh, OC spinoff. It's airing Wednesdays, 9pm on Fox. But Tuesday, they have a little thing of it uh, on uh, on the side there. Something about baking. Something bake, bake, bake me a cake or something. Baking me a cake. It's baking, right? You're so close. You're very close. What is it? But you're not there. So I'm going to tell you. It's baked in a pie. Baked in a pie. Okay. I wonder what show that is. Do you think it's a cooking show or do you think it might be like uh, a reality show where you get baked in a pie? Survival of the fittest? Probably. I wouldn't put it past Fox. No, I wouldn't indeed. Uh, my first question <laughs> is, there was a cloud shaped like what during the baseball game? Oh, Damn it. It was the most exciting thing that had happened so far. A cloud yeah, shaped know. like a... Um, no, no, no. I know it. And it's right there in the back of my brain. And I've got to wade through a whole bunch of useless facts and early, early onset dementia. And no, I can't reach it. Tell me what it is, Dan. It's a giraffe. I was going to give you the clue of Harold. I don't know whether that would have got it for you or not. Would you have got... Would you? Do you know Harold, Harold the giraffe from the health van? No, I don't. Uh, see, maybe it was just a thing of the 90s. So kids growing up in the 90s in Australia would definitely remember Harold the Giraffe. Let me, let me just Google okay. that. Was it Harold the Giraffe? 
It was a um, look at the health fan, uh, Harold Giraffe. Well, are yeah, you familiar yeah, with yeah, Hector? Yeah. How are a draft puppet mascot? Life education instructor. Yeah, so when the life education van used to come to school, it was like so fucking exciting. So basically, <laughs> it was almost like Santa Claus, right? Because it's that weird age where you're like, you're old enough to know better, but you just like, you still kind of want to believe. You're like, I'm still mm. figuring life out. So basically, what it was was they'd come and they'd teach you things about life and health and things like that. There was always this woman. And she'd sit there. You'd always only see one of her arms. And she'd always be leaning against the wall. And then there'd be this puppet would come through called Harold. It's just like a hand puppet, right? But okay. for that hour you were in that van, you believed. You were talking to Harold, <laughs> right? <laughs> never once did it sort of dawn on you that, like, that's just a puppet. It's just like it's like being in that environment. It's like, you know, an hour away from normal school shit. You're in that van. You're talking to this friendly puppet teaching you about all the, the facts of life. Not sex ed, just, you know, health and That's how to be he- healthy eating and things like that. But I think when you got to like grade five or six, it was kind of like the teachers had to sort of say, now don't ruin it for the kids that still want to believe. <laughs> but I just remember the, the life education van was like a highlight, literally a highlight of the year for Aussie kids in the 90s going to school. I don't know if they still do it, but it was just so cool and it was just so wholesome. I loved it. We never had Harold uh, the uh, the giraffe. Uh, we uh, we had Hector the safety cat, I believe, or okay. Hector the cat, mm-hmm. who would teach you, uh, you know, the correct way to cross the road. You know. Yep, okay. Probably yeah, a similar um, kind of thing, yeah. Look to the left, look to the right, look to the left again. Then when the road is clear of traffic, walk straight across the road. Don't run, walk straight across the road. Yeah. Isn't it cool how just random shit like that just stays with you? <laughs> exactly. I couldn't remember the thing with the giraffe that I watched maybe, I don't know, an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, but the Hector the, the Hector the Safety Cat uh, traffic song, all the lyrics are still there and easily accessed. <laughs> the human brain is an amazing Amazing piece of equipment. <laughs> Which I learnt courtesy of our man Harold the Giraffe. Now, what's your next question? Uh, were you going to ask... <laughs> we went off on that tangent. Did you want to ask me a question? Or yeah, I asked you about this. You so you've already forgotten that I asked you about the giraffe. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, during uh, Bart Official Intelligence, Lisa yeah. is reading a book uh, oh, when Bart is. is about to uh, do his dive out the window. What is she reading? Damn, you got me. What was it? It's called Master of the Senate, uh, and it's by Robert. I want to say, well, it's by it's Master of the Senate. I don't. <laughs> it sounds like an expanded universe, early two thousand Star Wars book. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's one of those uh, deep political things. And it was like yeah. Master of the Senate by Robert Caro. Okay, the years of Lyndon Johnson. So yeah, mm-hmm. Lisa is again reading a very uh, boring political tome. My next question is, during Survival of the Fattest, when Marge saves Homer from Burns and Smithers, she hits them with frying pans. Mm-hmm. What did the frying pans smell like? They smelled like sausages and onion. Mm-mm-mm, that's good frying pan smell. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> fried onion. Anything better? Not really. Sometimes when I'm cooking a barbecue, even though I'm not planning to eat the fried onion, I just, I just fry some onions just to you know create the atmosphere. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Fried onion. All right, what's your next one? Ooh, uh, during um, Survival of the Fattest, how long was it before Homer went cannibal? Six hours. That's correct. Yep, That is correct. And my final question is, in the final segment, I've grown a costume on your face. What was Mo dressed as? We see him converted in the the scene where everyone's saying, no, I like being me. That's right. Think of, as a hint, kind of, think of the episode... With James Kahn. What was James Kahn there for? What's going on there? 
Well, he was there for the for the uh, Playboy party at the. Uh, mm. So he was was he Hugh Hefner? He was Hugh Hefner with two Playboy bunnies on his on his arms. Oh, there we go. Thank you very much for that. Do I have time to ask you one more question? Go for it. Is that how one more? I always enjoy your oh. one more. <laughs> one more, just one more. Where does Mayor Quimby keep his racism apology forms? Oh, second drawer. Well, it depends how many drawers he's got, but the middle drawer. Middle drawer, okay. Yes, middle drawer. (laughs) So, yeah, let's say second. I'm assuming he's going to have three drawers. You're not going to have five drawers, are you? (laughs) You're not going to have a... How big big would your desk have to be? It'd be huge. Yeah, yes, exactly right. You got it right, yes. (laughs) That is trivia for Treehouse of Horror 16. We're going to be right back after this break with our review of the episode. Hey everybody, Dando here. I just wanted to give you all an update on two very special and exclusive episodes of the show that went up on our Patreon this week. One featuring Simpsons YouTube extraordinaire The Real Jims, who joined us to review the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie show, as well as an incredible chat with Disney voiceover legend Jim Cummings. These two shows are just an example of the bonus content you get by supporting your pals Guy and Dando. So go ahead and join the Four Finger Discount family today so that we can hit that goal of a thousand supporters and launch that Bob's Burgers podcast by going to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. The original air date of Trials of Horror 16 was Sunday, November 6, 2005. The original air date in Australia was Tuesday, February 28, 2006. I thought it was a little interesting tidbit because mm. next Tuesday will also be February 28th. Some, how many years later? 15? No, not 15. How many years? 17 years later. That's correct. Oh yeah, it would have been a 7.30 on a Tuesday night here on Channel 10. That's when this episode would have originally aired. Little Dando oh. in 2006. How old would I have been in February 20? Uh, would have been about 15, 16, sitting there. Should have been out chasing girls, but I was sitting down on a Tuesday night watching those Simpsons, as always. <laughs> <laughs> the episode was written by Mark Wilmore. He wrote all three segments. I'm sure he had some help in, in the final print. But we also have directed here by David Silverman, guest star Dennis Rodman as himself, and Terry Bradshaw mm. as himself. There was no chalk or couch game because it was the Kang and Curtis intro. So let's talk about that. We've already pretty much said all there is to say. Just dragged on a little bit too long. I get the emphasis was, you know, baseball is boring. They, um, you know, they talk about the uh, the wives of the players on their phones. We get another OC parody. Yeah. I guess the OC was kind of bulletproof at that stage. And they were like, mm, yeah, this is, this is something that's on people's minds. Let's talk about this a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Well, was, this is two weeks in a row now because last week we had the... Um, them watching the TV the whole with the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Not either not fans of the OC or they were told to make jokes or they were told to promote the OC, so like we'll promote it in our own way. Own way. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little uh, cross promotion Simpsons style. Kang and Kodos are not fans of how boring it is, so they fire the accelerate and they shadow the fabric of the universe. And it's the only way the Cubs will finally win. Now apparently this was something that Americans appreciated because the Cubs went on to win not long after this. Let me see. Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. Titles. Apologies, listeners. Obviously, I'm not a huge baseball fan. Chicago Cubs. They won in 2016, and it had been how long? 100 years, nearly. Surely not that long since you won a title. Let's have a look. Major League <laughs> Titles was holy fuck. They went from 1908 and didn't win a title until 2016. Oh my god! Good we the cats. <laughs> we thought the cats had it bad with um, 44. With 44 years. <laughs> Oh, Holy, man. that's like three generations. <laughs> <laughs> You'd just be on your deathbed going, I just wanted the Cubs to win one more. Yeah, <laughs> so they, they finally won one. Well, thankfully, the fabric of the universe didn't all cave in, and they, they still won it. So, um, so yes, there we go. So the Cubs won the title in 2016. Good for the Cubs. At least, um, was it Gary Busey in that movie, Rookie of the Year, playing for the Cubs? 
I think it might have been, yeah. Yeah. It? It's incredible that there was a stage where Gary Busey was just, you know, playing regular people. It was, it was kind of like, <laughs> but he's kind of like Bruce Willis when he couldn't get Bruce Willis. Yes, kind of. <laughs> Huh. Like just that, you no. Know, if you wanted a family film with Bruce Willis, you got like a guy like Gary Busey because he's like I don't know. I just felt like in the early nineties when I was growing up, he just seemed to be in, popping up in movies all the time. Now, obviously, you never hear about him. But um, remember he's one of your on The Simpsons, and he just took the yeah. piss out of himself. It was almost like, did he know he was taking the piss out of himself? Because he went <laughs> fucking mad in that guest appearance. I, I thought Gary Busey was great when he appeared on The Simpsons. He was good. You're you're not wrong. Yeah, but was I mean, I'm thinking about things like say <laughs> say Lethal Weapon or something. You know, and, uh, I mean, I rewatched that not long ago because it's a Christmas movie, not unlike Die Hard. And yeah, he's like the main. Yeah, he's one of the main bad guys in that. And, you know, having a fist fight with Mel Gibson and all that's like, oh wow, yeah, Gary Busey was you know that guy for for some period. There we mm. go. Um, something I did enjoy during the whole Kang and Kodos uh, cold open here. Um, I'm always a big move, a big. We don't hear it in Australia. I don't think we ever heard it in Australia. But the, um, the saying "smooth move, Xlax," which is uh, Xlax is of well, they say "smooth move, Spacelax" in here. But uh, yeah. "smooth move, Xlax" was uh, the advertising slogan for a uh, a laxative brand. You know, so ah. if you were, if you're all sort of bunched up and you need to get some stuff out of your system, pop a few Xlax and whew, smooth move, and it just became a bit of a um, uh, a bit of a catchphrase. <laughs> Anytime anyone screwed up, it's like, smooth move, XX. When I was growing up, if you had constipation of any kind, it was almost, oh, you're clearly not eating your wheat bix then. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I mean, you could you could buy actual um, actual laxatives to, to take care of business, but usually it's like, have a piece of fruit. <laughs> yeah, yeah or of have fruit. your wheat bix Have your wheat bix <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know how we got to that, but speaking of smooth, by the way, um, if you're a fan mm. of King of the Hill, we're about to review episode two of King of the Hill Square Peg, where smooth plays a, a role in the episode. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that one. So if you like King of the Hill, check out our King of the Hill podcast. Speaking of the Hill, you can find the link in the description of this podcast. Very silky segue, Dando. The first segment is Artificial Intelligence, a film I've never seen, Artificial Intelligence. I remember watching it going, but I was a kid for some reason, I don't know whether it was jealousy or whatever, but I never really liked Hayley Joel Osment. Just I don't know, something, something about him just didn't, didn't sit well with me. And I saw this film and I was like, eh, not this kid again. Oh, so he decided not to watch it. Yeah, so I never watched it. I just never got around to it. But it's a Spielberg film, so I'm, I'm, it surprised me that I never bothered going back to it. But it just it felt like for a while there, he was just that kid was just everywhere for like maybe like four or five years. He was just he was, you know the Sixth Sense kid he was known as, but just felt like he was in everything. And so, so similar to um, oh, who's the girl from I Am Sam? Oh, Dakota Fanning. Yeah. Again, she was all just like, oh, not this kid again. It's just, it was just like over, like Hollywood overindulged on her. Now she's barely in anything. But I um, I never saw AI. Was it a good film? It is. Although Spielberg went through a bit of a period in the, in the early 2000s where he was making movies that were a little bleak and a little weird. Um, I mean, Minority Report, for instance, is a really good sort of man on the run thriller, but it's also kind of odd and a little dark. And artificial intelligence is... Yeah, that kind of squared, really. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty bleak and sad and unusual movie. It's good. It's very well made. I haven't watched it in a very long time, but I remember thinking, wasn't expecting this from Big Steve. Do you appreciate this segment more if you've seen that film? Is, like, is there gags that are sort of in, implied that- No, only f- not really. Okay. It's just the setup, okay. really, which is, um, yeah, a family has a, um, a beloved son who is taken very, very ill. Uh, the mother is- 
struggling to deal with it. Luckily, you're in the future and you can buy Robot Boy, um, played by Harley Joel Osment, who, uh, yeah, um, learns to love. But, yeah. <laughs> and then things, yeah, things get odd. So, oh, okay. um, yeah, definitely, yeah, it's, um, it's worth checking out, but you don't need to have seen it to appreciate artificial intelligence. Yeah. I thought this was this felt like just a, a classic Treehouse of Horror segment to me. I thought this was really good, like your classic sci-fi Treehouse of Horror. Um, mm. So it starts with Patty and Selma cutting some coupons. Marge must be there as well. We don't see her there, but uh, Lisa's reading. Bart says he's going to jump into the pool backwards. He ends up killing himself. Mum, remember how you wish we'd never grow up? Well, he doesn't end up killing himself, but he ends up in a very yeah. serious coma. Ah, oh, well, yeah, he's, he's essentially dead, as if it would soon tell us. <laughs> as if it says it. I'm afraid your son is in a deep, deep coma from which he will never emerge. I guess we should count our blessings he's not dead. Don't I know it. This way I get to keep billing you. <laughs> Bart, wake up. I got that bike you wanted. <laughs> Marge, though... Showing, you know, she, I've got you the bike you always wanted. And I was like, this is heartbreaking. Like, it's just, I know it's meant to be, is it meant to be funny? I, I just, I felt so bad for her. Well, you're a big hearted dad, Dan. Yeah. Of course, and any time that a kid is in even a vague sense of peril, um, unless, of course, it's Haley Joel Osmond or Dakota Fanning, um, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're going to respond because, yeah, you've got. <laughs> You're probably looking at current day Haley Joel going, <laughs> you got fat, you little fucker. <laughs> then we get Hibbert here suggesting the Robotots, now sass free. I love that. And I don't know if this is something you would have grown up with. It's something that I grew up with. Um, the image of the dog uh, pulling down the um, bathing suit. No. Because there was a, a, a suntan lotion called Coppertone, and that was kind of their logo for a while. It definitely wouldn't fly today. I mean, it was a bit Jared-ish because um, it was it was either a little boy or a little girl, or maybe they had both. But, you know, they had a drawing of, you know, a child, probably around, you know, 10 or so, and the dog is pulling down their, bikini, their uh, bathing suit bottoms, showing tan lines because you've got copper tone tan on the rest of your body except, you know, the part that's covered by your bathing suit. And it's showing like a butt. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's a bit it's a bit sort of Jared-ish. <laughs> Speaking, actually, I've got a story, right, a little anecdote from something that happened to me yesterday at the supermarket car park. <laughs> I was about to say, at- something that happened to me uh, when I was a child <laughs> that I've just, that I've just like, remembered. It was... It started out fine and wholesome, and it got fucking weird, man. I wasn't sure whether I should be reporting anything. So, my favorite story. Go ahead. Holly came. Holly came to the supermarket with me. She's in the trolley. We get to the back to the car. I'm loading stuff into the boot, and she's next to me. And she's sort of laughing. I'm tickling her face. Blah blah blah. This car just pulled. I hear some guy just yell out, yell out something. I turn and look. I'm like, what happened? What is she over the road or whatever? And he goes, I I'll take her from you if you don't want her. Ha! I was just like, oh yeah, she's free. And he's like, oh yeah. yeah. He's like, oh she's adorable. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And he goes, how old is she? Said, oh, she's uh, two and a half. This should be three soon. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, she's adorable. He said, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking in my head, you've already mm-hmm. said that. All right, cool. And I got to keep loading stuff into the trolley. I said, oh, thanks, mate. And I was loading stuff, sorry, into the um, into the boot. And then he goes, so how old is she again? And I'm like, so I turn around. I'm like, yeah, two and a half. And he goes, oh, yeah. So she's still wearing the uh, the pull-ups or the nappies? And I said, oh, she wears the pull-ups. because yeah, yeah, they're easy to take on and off, aren't they? I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. My- and I was like, 
He's like, all right, well, see you later, sweetheart. See you later. Bye. You be a good boy for daddy. And then drives off. And it was this really old guy. I'm talking like maybe 60, like a, a really old man, maybe 70 even. Like my dad's 60. He doesn't, he looked older than my dad. An old dude. I don't know whether he was just being wholesome, but when he says, when no. he asked about the nappies, I was like, no. I'm not sure about this. I'm not, not sure. Yeah. I was like, I think you are. When I turned around, my back's to him. And then he continues. I'm like, he's either a lonely old man or there's something that needs to be reported here. I wasn't sure. Mm, look, I'm, I am inclined to give old people a benefit of the doubt. I think sometimes they are yeah, a bit lonely and like to sort of, you know, engage in a bit yeah. of convo. But no, not that gentleman. Maybe it was just- Not the way he was going about it. The way I chose to think this situation went was- not that what I th- it could have been, what it probably was. I said, maybe just an old guy who's lonely, got no one to talk to. That's the first thing that came to his mind. He's probably driving home now going, you idiot, nappies, nappies. That's what you spoke about. That's the way I tried <laughs> to believe it. He's like George Costanza, nappies. <laughs> why, why do you always go to the pull-ups? Why? <laughs> but yeah, oh, that was, um, that was a, no, an, an odd experience. <laughs> that sounded sketchy. Yes, yeah. I was like, Holly, let's get into the car now. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's drive away very quickly uh, and make sure this gentleman is not following us. We don't want to know. We don't he want him knowing where we live. Exactly right. But anyway, enough about the uh, crippy old man in the Coles car park. Yes, so, and, the, uh, <laughs> and the little kids with their underpants pulled down. Yes. <laughs> now, Marge, if you miss your boy that much, you could replace him with one of these. A robot? Wow, a robot kid would be a blast. We could confuse him and make his head explode. This statement is a lie. But if it's a lie, then it must be true. But if it's true, then it must be whoop, 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 kaboom. And a robot would take your mind off your dead son. I thought he was in a coma. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. Except this way I get to keep billing you. You already said that. Well, you didn't laugh the first time. So we're now at home and the wise guy boots up David. I like that gag. Want me to boot him up? Kicks his screw up the ass. <laughs> you want me and, to boot yeah, him up? As you were saying, just gags like why are you metal and things like that. Just oh, very simple but very clever. I enjoyed it. What was the, that's the O6s for you. What was that a reference to? That's uh, the O6s for you. So was it called like Model know, 06 or something? I think it must be the O6, yeah, 2006 model or something like that. Maybe, yeah. Because I thought yeah, maybe- it's just, ma- you know, something you hear like- um, you know, used car salesman sounds like, oh, you know, the, you, you'll get that with the uh, 86 model or something like that. I thought maybe because it, it aired in 2006, but it didn't. It aired in, in 05 in, um, in America. Well, that's their idea of the future. I mean, because this is meant to take place in the future. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. Cool, Robert, baby. So then we got the um, the robot trimming some hedges, punches flanders in these flander doodles. Then Lisa was <laughs> worried about the ethics of it all. You know, I don't really like this. Gives her a massage. It's all tensed up, except, um, you know, he works out those kinks. Yep, goodbye implications. Then Bart wakes up. This was actually cool. I like this. Bunga! Because he didn't finish his first line. I was like, ah, I wonder if that, is that what really happens when you go into coma? Like, you you wake up thinking it's the moment you just left? I'm not, like, I've obviously never been in a coma. No, me neither. But, uh, no, they're they're strange things, comas. I mean, uh, you know, you always hear about uh, people going in and, you know, reading to the person in the coma or particularly playing their music. Music that that the person in the coma really likes is apparently uh, something of a trigger that might help them emerge. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, strange and mysterious things, the coma. Yes. So Bart wakes up, he sneaks out. I thought it was a really cool visual just sneaking out in the morning time. I was saying to Nicola the other mm. day, I think we were watching something on TV where they were waking up first thing in the morning, and I'm like, to me, that's like the best time of day when you wake up. The sun is barely up. You hear the magpies, you know, 
What mm. do magpies do? They squawk. Magpies squawking, I guess you could say. They call. The magpie call. I like to think they sing, but they not sing. Very well. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, someone might hear a kookaburra or a cockatoo. But you hear the birds are all waking up as well, and it's just everything's peaceful. Like no one, the traffic's oh, not yeah. there yet. People, most people are still asleep, but it's just. It reminded me. I said to, to Nicola. My Uncle Jock, who's passed now, he's one of my favourite people in the world, but whenever we used to stay at Uncle Jock's place, he lived up on um, Church Street, kind of near you. And one of his things was he'd always wake up and he'd go to the news agency right on like dorm, like be one of the first people there to buy the day's newspaper before the internet and things like that. So remind, whenever I get up that early, it reminds me of getting up early because when, when you're a kid, getting up before the sun comes up, it's like, what are we doing here? This, is, what, this isn't normal. But whenever yeah. Uncle Jock's place, we always wake up, Someone's barely up walking down the street to Minerva Road to the news agency to buy the paper, hear the magpies. I'm like, it's just, I wish I could go back to those kind of moments and appreciate those days more than what oh, I did. Because yeah. at the time oh, I was like, yeah. oh, so early, you know, so early. But now I look back and I'm like, it was actually great. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you've got the temperament and um, I don't know, the ability <laughs> to get up before dawn or to get up at the crack of dawn and just go uh, for a walk. Yeah, and enjoy. Just the a half hour before you know the rest of the world decides eh, time to get up. Yeah, you know before the engines start and before you know the doors open and everything like that. It's just like ah, oh, the world's so peaceful. Nice, nice. Trust me, you see shit around your neighbourhood that, and, and don't take your phone either. Just go and enjoy the walk. You see shit and you appreciate things about your neighbourhood that you've probably walked past or driven past a thousand times and never actually taken notice of. Do it, mm. guys. This is your job for Do the it. next. Month, if you have the ability to, get up if, as, as the sun's coming up and just go for a 20-minute walk, no phone, and just enjoy it. So we're getting back to the episode. So Bart's sneaking out and he's going to um to back to his house and he walks in on the family eating breakfast with Homer saying that, that David's the best son he ever had. Uh, re- replacing's an ugly word. I've, I've upgraded. upgraded. <laughs> so he eats game. Bart's shorts because Bart says, eat my shorts. A couple of old school um, catchphrases here. Cowabunga and eat Bunga my shorts. And eat my shorts. Yeah. yeah. He turns the shorts into a teddy bear for Maggie. Oh, make me a kitty. Don't <laughs> takes off his pants. <laughs> I tell you about there are one or two allusions to mm. uh, to uh, AI in there, to the, uh, the, the Spielberg movie. The teddy okay. bear is, um, is a bit of a character. In AI as well. I mean, uh, plays a role, I don't think okay. he becomes. Does he become much of a character in this at all? Does he? No, I never see Teddy again. No. Okay. So then we get the um the montage of basically David just upstaging Bart in every aspect of life with what's the Johnny Come Lately song called? Is it called Johnny Come Lately or whatever? It's a New Kid in Town by the Eagles. I did enjoy when he makes the soft serve for the kids at school that Bart's frowning, licks the soft serve, enjoys <laughs> it, and then goes back to frowning. He can't again. stop eating it. <laughs> I hate going to the zoo. I feel so sorry for the animals. Lisa, the zoo opens up a whole new world for the animals. In the wild, they would never experience boredom, obesity, loss of purpose. You know, the American dream. Bart tries to kill David by pushing him into an enclosure, but as a, in turn, he gets thrown back and he's knocked into the mutant peacock habitat. Now, we never see what happens to Bart after this. Don't we? It just cuts to Homer dumping him on the side of the road. So Marge is like, oh, hmm. what are we going to do with him? And Homer's like, yeah, it's an issue. And then it cuts to Homer taking him out to dump him. Like, we don't actually see who saves him from the enclosure. It's just he's about to get fucked up by mutant peacocks, and that's it. But anyway, I thought this was also really, scary. I thought this was also really sad when he's just like, leaves him. So we're not going to the toy store, and I could buy every toy that I want. You just see him disappearing into the mirror. I'm like, oh, man, I'm sure. No, no, what's sad to me is I'm just like, again, like you said, I'm a father now, but there's probably people who have abandoned their children doing this kind of thing, and the kids are thinking they're going oh, yeah. somewhere nice, and they just get dumped, and it's like, you monsters. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I don't know. Just it just now that I'm a dad, it hits me hard. Even though this is meant to be funny, it's not. It's it's funny. I see the hum- I see the humor in it, but it yeah. it affects me. <laughs> I feel like I've got to you know uh, take back something I said earlier because yeah, a lot of this and now is lifted from AI, particularly like the the yeah the dropping off the kid and all that kind of business and oh, okay, uh, meeting up with various robots and all that kind of deal. So yeah, that is oh, okay. But again. I, I don't take back what I said earlier. You don't have to have seen AI to enjoy this particular segment. That's why I asked, do you, do you appreciate it more, maybe, if you've seen it? Now that you've said this, yeah, because I thought the robots in the wood scene was kind of random, but now that you've said it's part of the movie, it makes more sense now. Mm. But anyway, so Bart, yeah, comes across all the abandoned robots. They want to learn how to feel and learn how to love, but Bart just ends up stealing all of their parts so they can crush the, the party at the Simpsons house once again and be all kick-ass, kind of like a... The man from our Tales of Futurama podcast, Robot Nixon. Correct. <laughs> Nixon's back. The, des- the design looked very similar, didn't it? It kind of did. Yeah, yeah. It's very much like the um, like the uh, what's it in Aliens? The fucking big oh, so the power not, yeah, 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 not not yellow, obviously, but just you know walking around. So, so we cut to the Simpsons house. Obviously, Bart's arrived just after Homer was shooting David, which I thought was quite funny. It's all jacked up. You told me you took him to culinary school. You wanted to believe the lie, March, and then. <laughs> This was a really, the way that this was directed was great. So you have to cut through your father, straight through him. <laughs> and that works because Homer was the one that dumped him. So, of course, Bart's okay. like, I don't give a fuck about this guy. He was going to dump me in the woods and not think about me anymore. So, And it was also great. We've got to mention, David agrees and so will your mother once I tell her. <laughs> so he kills, or well, he doesn't kill Homer, he cuts Homer in half, kills David. Homer now has David's legs and turns out it's all just a dream. He wakes up possessed, which was kind of a random ending, but they used to do this shit in the golden era as well, so I can't complain. I guess so, but yeah, you're right. It did feel like a very abrupt and unexpected gear shift given that we've you know, been sitting through a science fiction uh, Treehouse of Horror episode and, yeah, it takes this hard, uh, hard left turn into demonic possession. Mm, I didn't mind it. But you're right. It's kind of like uh, it, it doesn't feel. It doesn't necessarily feel like. Oh, they didn't know how to end this. It's like, how can we wrap this up? <laughs> so you're saying AI doesn't end with an exorcism? I'm not. No, no, no spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler free <laughs> <Okay>. zone. <laughs> it's now time for survival of the fattest. The one that guy says was the weakest of the episode. I didn't mind it. But oh. Let's go through it, and then we'll we'll see whether you can change my tune or I can change yours. We'll find out. Ooh. Oh, kicks okay. off with Smithers dropping off a letter. I think it's because I just always enjoy the concept of every man for himself. I love that kind of setup. <laughs> well, yeah, this is a very old story. I mean, uh, they actually allude to it, uh, the title, um, a bit later on. But, yeah, there's a, a an, an, an ancient book, an old book, called The Most Dangerous Game, and that's been turned into many a movie over the years, and the whole concept has been, you know, rejigged time and time again. Hard Target. Starring Jean-Claude Van Damme is pretty much the same thing. But, okay, um, I've never seen that one. See, there was all these films that had Van Damme on the cover in the video store when I was a kid. I was never old enough to um to see them because I was, you know, it was obviously like M15 or MA, whatever. By the time I was old enough, I just sort of, I don't know, Van Damme wasn't a thing anymore. But when I was a kid, it just seemed like Van Damme had all these kick-ass action flicks. You see him always in the video store, but I never yeah. saw, saw any of them. Like, which would you say are his three best? Um, Besides Street Fighter, of course. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Um, hard Target, definitely. Okay. Um, he made Universal Soldier back when he was young with mm. Dolph Lundgren, and which is not bad, but if you want a really, really good action movie, uh, he, made a, he made a sequel a bit later called Universal Soldier Regeneration. Um, that's fantastic. Really, mm, yeah, gnarly and good. Um, and mm, what's the third one? 
there's one called Maximum Risk that I quite like from 1997. I believe, co-starring Natasha Hensridge from Species. Ooh. So I, I love, <laughs> say, maybe like 93 through to like 98, that era of action film. That's like my kind of action film, just brain-dead mm. movies. Because they don't really get <laughs> movies like that anymore, like your, your ransoms, your paybacks, your face-offs, your con-airs. They don't seem to exist anymore. Not really. I mean, you, I'm sure they're out there, and but uh, they're not as publicised or promoted as well no. as they used to be. You're going to do a bit of searching. You've got to, uh, you've got to find someone you can trust who will uh, steer you in the right direction. Hmm. That's Maybe Guy we, Davis. we should do that. Guy Davis. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> but um, yeah. So anyway, so I, I, did, I didn't realise this was an actual thing. Thank you for enlightening me. But oh, uh, then the, 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 this kind of concept I knew was it's been done time and time before. Yeah. I didn't know it. The original one, I guess you could say. But Smithers is dropping off the letter, and Burns has invited everyone to a hunting party at his place. Sinister laugh in brackets on the letter. <laughs> Lisa's worried. Bart's annoyed. Now, this joke here, right, may not may have been lost on you. I thought this was one of the most clever gags we've had on The Simpsons in a while. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought this is what he was implying here. Mr. Mark... Was it Mark Wilmore, the guy wrote this episode? Let me just double check that. Mm-hmm. Mr. Uh, Mark Wilmore, Yes. So Bart says here, oh, you know, I shoot one bird and suddenly I have to go to a psychiatrist, right? And Marge says, oh, he keeps thinking that hobo was a bird. That is a joke that works in two different ways. That's a joke that works as, oh, yeah, you know, he thought the, the, the hobo was a bird. Haha, <laughs> whatever, right? But for Simpsons fans who remember back in season 10 when Bart shot a bird and regretted it and felt really bad when he accidentally shot the bird, Simpsons fans think that that's what he's implying. And then Marge comes in with a, oh, and he still thinks that hobo was a bird. It's like, oh, so it wasn't that moment. So it's like a, re- it's a back reference, but it's not a back uh, reference. I thought it was a very clever joke. It's a callback. That's not yeah. a callback. Uh, but it's not a callback. It's like, it's uh. like oh, yeah, I know you. Oh, you got me. It wasn't this. I thought I knew everything and I don't know this. I was about to pull out my Genius at Work t-shirt, but yeah. no. Yeah, I just thought it was a very layered joke. I appreciated it anyway. I appreciate you appreciating it. It's a pretty sweet deal, Burns inviting us over. What kind of motive do you think he has? I'll tear you. Welcome all. Now, to explain why I summoned you here. Oh, God, here it comes. Timeshare pitch. Well, I got bad credit, so the joke's on you. He explains the uh, the dangerous game. Dangerous game? What could it be? And we get that really funny shot with all their names on the, um, on the, mm, the plaques, yeah. I guess you could say, the backboards. Yeah, where you mount people's heads, yeah. Yep. Or Lenny, not Barney. Where you, where you mount animals' heads, not people. Let's, let's you know. Yeah, <laughs> not, not that I've ever done anything like that. Burns then um, offers him more five minutes to um to get a head start. Comic book guy says he'd rather die. So he dies. He gets shot by Burns here. Everyone's like, oh, fuck, he wasn't joking. So he says, anyone who's alive by noon will, you know, you, you've saved yourself. You'll, you'll remain alive. Then we get the blue-haired lawyer. I love that Burns has invited his lawyer to this, <laughs> to kill him. <laughs> but, then, but then obviously the, the blue-haired lawyer says, you know, you, you, have you got a waiver for this? And Burns is like, well, do I need one? I think I can whip something up for you. Whips it up for him. And then Burns shoots him. Yeah, I can't believe that he would kill such an able lawyer. <laughs> that, mm. guy, that guy seems to know what he's talking about. But Burns and Smithers are chasing everyone here. Just, you know, we've got the, the curry gag with a poo. It's reincarnated into a, I want to say a hare. Gets caught in a trap. Um, he shoots at home mm. and then we get the promo for the World Series of Manslaughter. You're watching the World Series of Manslaughter. Most violent TV spectacle since the Hip Hop Image Awards. Mom, Mr. Burns is going to kill Dad. I should have known something was wrong when we got this week's TV guide. Now for his take on tonight's bloodthirsty action, here's guest analyst Terry Bradshaw. 
Terry? Well, conventional wisdom says good fleeing will always be good chasing. But the stats say, put your money on the guy with the gun. Ah, 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 ah. Dying is just like golfing, except in golf. Oh, you hate to see that. That's the kind of showboating that'll turn people off this sport. I like the uh, the TV guide here. It says must flee TV. Flee TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've got the commentators, which includes the um, the guest star from one of the most iconic NFL players of all time, Mr. Terry Bradshaw, who's now since I think one about like early 90s, maybe 94, he's one of the most known commentators of, of American football. Mm. I mean, sort of like one of the mainstays of Sunday. I think it's Sunday Night Football. He he hosts mostly, but um, yeah, he puts in a good effort here with his appearance. Apparently, he's appeared in movies and, and such in the past as well. He has, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I've I've seen him in a few movies. Um, yeah, I think he's one of those guys who just segued quite nicely out of uh, out of the game into uh, public life, broadcasting life, and uh, yeah, no, I think I think he did a pretty good job in this. He's very enthusiastic. So he's not a fan of the showboating that Burns is doing when he's just shooting Krusty. And I've got here in my notes, this is kind of dark and grim, even for the Simpsons Halloween special, where he's just standing there just constantly just pulls out another gun pistol and just keeps loading bullets into Krusty's dead corpse. I'm like, ugh. Uh, yeah, I think that's the point where I was going, I don't know if this is all that all that funny. I mean, I'm not... Um, I don't mind a bit of grimness, a bit of darkness, but... Uh, yeah, in this in this case, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't think it's working all that well for me. This is probably yeah. This is probably the moment. That's probably the moment when uh, when this uh, lost its grip on me for a minute. Everyone's now stuck. They're hiding in the tree. Homer tries to climb it and sends everyone flying. So Burns shoots. It reminds me of Duck Hunt. Remember Duck Hunt, the game on the NES, the dog. They used to laugh at you when you missed the ducks. The orange gun. <laughs> I'd never played that. Really? Before. Oh, that was like my first introduction to like video games. Was like seeing this duck hunt. Oh, actually, no. The first thing I ever saw was um the Sega that my dad brought home. But my friend, my dad's friends, his kids had the the NES with the shooting and being able to shoot a gun at the TV and it respond. It was just like, whoa! This oh is, my god! The future is, is now. The only <laughs> thing about this scene was so these aren't birds. I get it for the sake of animation, for the sake of comedy. So when he shoots them, they drop dead. Mm. They're flying through the air at a fantastic speed. Right, they're not flying because they've got their fucking wings. They're flying because they've been sent that way, right? So why would a bullet propelled. entering their bodies cause them to drop? It's a very good question. I am not a <laughs> physicist, so I can't help you with that one. Because obviously, when you shoot a bird, they're not flapping their wings anymore, so that's why they drop dead. But these that's guys, there's human, there's human bodies flying through the air. If you shoot them, they die in the mid air. But why would they just drop yeah, dead? But they wouldn't. No. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Okay, we'd better get on Twitter and ask... Nerd uh, alert! Nerd <laughs> alert! <laughs> Genius at work. We'd better um, find Mark Wilmore and ask, yeah. ask him exactly what he was thinking when he did that snafu. Mo then lands on the roof, scratches the lottery ticket, wins a million dollars, thinks he's going to try and get out. Wiggum then lands on him. I, I, I get what you're sort of saying here. It's kind of like just everything just feels sad and grim by this point, doesn't it? Yeah. There's yeah. no real... Um, it's not even black comedy. It's just kind of... yeah. Grim comedy, you're right. Homer is eating Frink. He's resorted to cannibalism after just six hours, even though there's bananas on the tree, but they're a little green, and I agree with Homer. Mm. I don't eat green bananas. It's, it's not good. Don't taste Nor great. do I. No. No, no. Sometimes I'm at the supermarket, and I'm picking bananas, and I see the ones that got a bit of green on, green on them, and I'm like, you're going to be here a while. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently in Korea, they have this thing where you can get a thing of packaged bananas, and... They're varying degrees of ripeness along the way. So, you know, you start on the left with the most ripe one. Then the next day, then 
one next to that will be a little less, you know, a little more ripe, so you can mm. eat that one. And by the by the time you reach the end of the package, you've had just ripe bananas. The future is Every now. Single one. <laughs> Indeed, our Korean friends—they've um, they've nailed it in a few ways. They've worked it out. Yeah, yeah. Between animation and uh, and banana packaging, Korea man, put a, put your put put all your money on them. The tie, the tie into the animation. I did read, and this could be wrong because it doesn't make any sense to me. But in one of the opening episodes of The Simpsons, um, the the bananas are painted brown because apparently the yeah. animators in Korea didn't know what color a banana was. I'm like, that can't <laughs> be true. <laughs> That's can't be not true. correct. No. <laughs> like, There's, they just can't be. <laughs> Homer is now tricking, trying to trick Burns and Smithers with Barney's body. Well, he tricks him at first, but then he falls down. And any more room in the head bag? And he throws out Sea Captain's head. This is where Marge oh, saves. Yeah, poor Sea Captain. Then this is where Marge saves Homer with the frying pans. And as they're about to get it on, we got Terry Bradshaw with another commentary. There was something about when Homer unzipped Marge's back. I was like, wow, Rybal. <laughs> and well, that's Fox for you, yes, Rybald. As, um, as Terry says, that's going in his playbook. Playbook. Mm. Final segment here, I've grown a costume on your face. Now, I wasn't keeping track of the time, but of the many reviews I read for this episode, apparently this one was quite short compared to the others. Okay. It didn't feel that mm. way to me, but that's what they, that's what everyone was implying. Oh, the last one felt a bit rushed. I'm like, did it? Yeah. But the family all arriving, all dressed up for Halloween to the semi-annual Halloween party. Poor Nelson here, dressed up as the Lone Ranger. Everyone <laughs> thinks he's a raccoon. Has to paint on his um his mask. Then we get Blackula. And now the finalists for best costume. First, we have Blackula. Oh, because I'm black and I'm Dracula, that makes me Blackula? <laughs> My wife said don't go as Dracula, but I said, Bernice, we live in the 21st century. Send them the standard racist remark apology. They're in the middle drawer. Well, there was a legitimate character called Blackula. <laughs> yeah, so tell me about Blackula. When was this a thing? This was in the 70s. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, not to, not to there was a whole slew of, yeah, whole slew of black exploitation movies. Yeah, cool. Well, that was the general term for them where, you know, uh, black and African-American actors, you know, got to play... You know, cool private eyes and uh, super pimps, and they got to stick it to the man and all that kind of business. And then, well, you know, action movies are doing pretty well. What about black horror movies? You say Dracula, it's like, I mean, you can just picture the, <laughs> it's like Ron Howard holding up bags of money. It's like, Blackula. He's a black Dracula. We what call him Blackula. What about Count Duckula? Remember that one? It, it's funny. We just did uh, our uh, review of Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure. Mm. For our man Brian Hughes. Well, it's for everybody, really, but really it's for Brian Hughes. Uh, and uh, Pee-wee had his show Pee-wee's Big Adventure that became a big thing after uh, after the movie. Oh, the Pee-wee's Playhouse. Appearing- Pee-wee's Playhouse, did I say? You said, what you did said, I say? You said Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which was the film that spawned Pee-wee's Playhouse, yes. That's correct, sorry. Pee-wee's Playhouse is what it was. But appearing on Pee-wee's Playhouse uh, was an actor named William Marshall. He played uh, the King of Cartoons, and uh, William Marshall was Blackula. Yeah, he was a terrific actor, had a really wonderful, imposing presence, and a very Morgan Freeman-style voice. Yeah, so everything's coming together on the unified theory of four-finger discount, because, you know, we mentioned Blackula here, and he, you know, the guy who played Blackula was on Pee-wee's, big, uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse. We talked about Pee-wee not long ago. Oh, my God. It's all, it's all connected, Dan. It's all connected. It's all connected. It always is. <laughs> but the- Dan is now looking at me like, you know, I'm editing all that out, right? 
But then we get the, uh, the the competition, obviously. So they think that Dr. Hibbert is black yellow, when really he's not. He's just Dracula. And he's going up against the hideous witch, who turns out to be a real witch. So as a result of her winning the contest, they want to see what who she actually is. Like, which one of our beloved townspeople are you? She wins a $25 gift card for, for the Quickie Mart. She reveals that she's a, she's a real witch, so she she's not deserving of winning. I love the fact mm. I actually didn't mind Sideshow Mel here. Burn her! Gift certificate. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think she was crazy cat lady? I thought she was I, crazy cat lady. I thought that's who it was going to be at first, yeah. Might have even been the same voice, yeah. Maybe. They, they res- and the same sort of template, because it looked a bit yeah. like crazy cat lady. Yeah, they rescind her award. So she casts a spell and turns them onto their costumes. Is this a take on any, like, a Twilight Zone episode or something? Or is it just a... to the Not to the best of my knowledge. Well, it's a pretty, it's a pretty clever story, in my opinion. I think it's pretty fun. It's not bad. It is feels. It, it, well, feels, it just we... feels like something like. How has this not been done already? It just feels original. It just feels. I really, really enjoyed it. And then poor Nelson gets turned into a raccoon. Disco Stu's got the <laughs> arrow in his head. And then as she's leaving, good luck getting the deposits back on your costumes. So we get all the various people now checking out their costumes or who they are now. So Skinner's now GI Joe. <laughs> Obviously got nothing downstairs anymore, <laughs> which is good. Poor Mole Man is now a mole. I wasn't even wearing a costume. <laughs> and Blackula. Or Dracula, I guess you could say, uh, helps Gorilla Grandpa by sucking out the poison. Poison. <laughs> I felt, yeah. See, you know, I felt bad for Grandpa. You know, he's got a new lease on life. He's, uh, you know, become a cool silverback gorilla. I mean, those guys are all muscly and agile and everything like that. So, yeah, good for Grandpa, but uh, no broke hip. <laughs> yep. The city's now all gone to shit. It's all destroyed. I am not a happy meal right now. I love that he was Mayor McCheese. Yeah. I thought that was a good costume. <laughs> it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> Willie is Willie's the bug spray, sprays Martin. Then we got Snowball 2. She's um, using Marge's skeleton, her ribs as a scratching pole. Dando, I'm going to have to stop you for a moment. Mm-hmm. I have checked with our friends at Wikipedia, and guess what? I've grown a costume on your face is a parody of the Twilight Zone episode, The Masks. I was going to say, I knew it had to be something Twilight Zone. He just felt like it, yeah. So what happens in The Masks? I'm assuming they just all get turned into their masks. I guess so. Let's uh, we can click on the the hyperlink that tell us what the mask is all yeah, about. It is set. On, it um, originally aired twentieth of March nineteen sixty four. It is an episode set on Mardi Gras. A dying man coerces coerces his relatives into wearing grotesque masks that reflect their true personalities. So it's a spin on that. They don't get turned into it masks, does. but yes, it sounds very Twilight Zone-ish. It does. Yes. So they've, they've taken that story and run with it. But I thought they did a very Original somewhat story here. I thought it was really cool. But, yeah, so, you know, people are getting killed left, right, and center. Lisa is now Einstein. She's trying to work out a way to um <laughs> to solve this mystery. How are we going to get everyone back to normal? Homer's drinking the beer. Keeps coming out of his neck. I thought Homer was pretty good throughout this episode. He was despicable in the first one, but it makes sense for the parody that they are going for. But yes. then we they realize that Maggie is a real witch, and she can cast a spell and turn everyone back to normal. But everyone says, no, everyone likes being who they are. No, Bart likes being a wolf boy. Millhouse is a bulldozer pulling horses out of the mud. So girls are liking. Kirk is now Tarzan. Cletus is like an old, almost a, not, not George Washington, but George Washington S, maybe like a Hamilton or something in the background. Okay. Then uh, Mo is a playboy, you know, with, um, with as Hugh Hefner, with the playgirls. And Wiggum is... Yeah, is William. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Flanders is a flower. He's not a fan. So some of Springfield don't like who they are. Some of them are. Mm. So Flanders has got the bee chasing after him, much like the old man in the Coles car park. We've got, I liked um, <laughs> Apu D2. I thought it was a really nice play on words there. It and was. Maggie, she's um she's she's torn. What do I do? Should I fix everyone or should I leave them? So she just turns everyone into giant pacifiers. We get the bewitched theme. And then uh, we get a little, little outro here from Mo. Which was a bit of an odd outro, but whatever. I think that at least the message was good. 
What, the one about, you know, childhood literacy and yeah. read adulthood. books, kids? Adul- yeah. Adul- adulthood. Literacy. Adult illiteracy. Even worse. Well, even more of a problem. At least they're pushing a good message. I guess so, yeah, but in a way that didn't that felt sort of insincere. Yeah, didn't know whether they were poking fun or not, but then we get Dennis Rodman as well, you know, make, it, make reading a slam dunk, donate your books, and um, yeah, that's the end of the episode. So a, a random ending, but didn't take away from it. I thought, yeah, as, as I said, overall, I thought this was a really strong Trials of Horror. Um, I, I, I get what you're saying with the second one just felt kind of mean-spirited as opposed to funny, mm. but I think the first and the last segment were good enough to sort of hold up enough to say overall this was a really good Trials of Horror. Didn't we have we said in the past something about you know if it ends well or if it starts and ends well then it's okay the middle one can be a bit so so yeah I don't know if that's the case maybe but it's I, I believe it was here I mean I, yeah I liked the first one I didn't completely hate the second one but and but I liked the third one quite a lot even even though it did end a little strangely a little abruptly but generally a, a sturdy well made treehouse one that I'd be happy to uh, spend a little time in what do we learn Palmer. All right, what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Um, if you are going to buy uh, from Boys R Us, uh, don't get the 06. No, don't do it. Do not do it indeed. Unless you have no intentions for your son to return, then it may work out for you. <laughs> I learned that um, if you never go to a, um, a movie marathon with people who may get hungry after six hours, because shit could get dark <laughs> real fast. <laughs> from this day forward, your name shall be... All right, it's time for the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Season 17. The current leaderboard stands at this. Uh, in first, uh, in third position, we have Ryan Dunlap and D. Al Gorman, both on two points. In second position, Nora Coker on five. And in first position, Luke McKay on six points. Now, with this being Trials of Horror, our tradition is that you have to send in three names and the best collective are the ones that get the points. So, Mr. Davis, hit me with your first point. Okay, one point goes to whoever gave us the Iron Bart, Predota, and the Flare Witch Project. That would be Jordan Seville. There, his first appearance on the leaderboard this year. Well done, sir, Jordan Seville, with the one point. Well done. Welcome to the leaderboard. Anything uh, that's a reference points. to the Iron Giant is always going to get a thumbs up from me. By the way, indeed. <laughs> uh, two points go to Robart. Good Homer hunting and the costume of living. Oh, I like it. Uh, that is Ryan Dunlap. Oh, Ryan Dunlap has climbed all the way now with four points. I think that puts him in third position outright, dare I say. So Ryan Dunlap now on the four points. Well done. Uh, who got the three yeah. points this week? <laughs> well done, Lap, indeed. Um, three points go to I Carumbot, Jumonti, and Super Disguise Me. Ooh, I like Super Disguise Me. Oh, that! Oh, it's Garoad. Garoad Harrowhill's returned. Return of the King. Yes. Nice one, Garoad. Garoad Harrowhill with the three points. All right, so the leaderboard now stands at this. In third position, Ryan Dunlap on four points. In second position, Nora Coco on five. And still in first position by just one single point, it is Luke McKay. So still very close here. I like that no one's climbing Ooh. way too early. So six, five, four, three. That's a, that's first, second, third, fourth. So it's working out well so far. It's all even, even Stevens. I like it. But remember, we like a race. Yes, exactly right. So remember, if you want to be a part of this championship and potentially win yourself an award at the end of the season, you've just got to be a patron of our show. You can find the link to that in the description of this. All right, Mr. Davis, let's hit. Let's get to the mailbag. Let's. Javale! Javale is here! Ooh. 
First question here comes from our man Pat Wright. Pat Wright says, if you could program a robot to perform one household chore for you, what would it be? Uh, co-hosting four-finger discount. <laughs> Just give me the money. <laughs> yeah, that's all I want. No. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely uh, have a robot that just picked up kids' toys the second the kids finish playing with it. Because mm. I feel like when the kids are home, I'm just constantly walking behind them, cleaning up mess. It's like, I just want a robot just walking behind my children at all times, just cleaning up the shit as they're going around. <laughs> well, speaking of cleaning up the shit, uh, yeah. listeners of the show will be aware of the uh, uh, new addition to oh, the no. household of the lovely Louise, Raffi the puppy, who... Uh, yeah, he'll occasionally go outside and take a dump or take a whiz, but sometimes he'll just stay in so stay inside and uh, look you right in the eye while he lets one go on the uh, on the uh, hardwood floors. In fact, last night, you know, we'd taken him outside. It's like, oh, he's done a little wee. That's good, fantastic. Well done, you, Raffy. Come back inside, and then you know, you turn your back for one second. Oh my God, look at that huge puddle of piss! Oh my God, there's a little turd. What the hell? So yes, yeah, um, programming a robot good. to clean up Raffy's waste, uh, or at uh, at the Davis household, I don't know probably vacuuming. Although you know there is the Roomba, I could easily buy a Roomba and just have that going. But uh, I don't know. I think I like the idea of watching a robot doing the vacuuming. They <laughs> just go <laughs> better you than me, sucker. <laughs> How long until um you get one of those robot dogs that just do like backflips and you just dump Raffy on the side of the road? <laughs> Never. We're, we're taking to the pet store to pick out all the best foods that you want. <laughs> no, he's a he's a sweet dog, um, except for the maybe ten percent of the time when he's going to the toilet inside. And I'm assuming it's a yapper, right? Being the he's size. a little bit of a yapper, but not too bad. Okay, that's all right then. Uh, David Mott, what was your dream Halloween costume, and did you ever get to wear it? Well, yeah. See, I when um, when I was young, it, Halloween was purely an American thing. We didn't really do it. It here. wasn't. We, wasn't. Yeah. Do, I mean, it's, it's still. It's starting to become a thing now, maybe the last, say, in the last five years. But for there was, during the pandemic, everyone was like, no, no Halloween because you couldn't go out and do anything. I feel yeah. like now it's starting to, like last year felt, yeah, but you look at the supermarkets and they were pretty barren last year. Like there was a, a time when they were full of Halloween shit last year. Mm. Felt a little bit more back to normal, but it wasn't quite there yet. Yeah. Uh, having said that, if I'd been able to do Halloween when I was a kid, I, I clearly would have been Han Solo. I would have just yeah, loved cool. to have been Han Solo. When I was a kid, I totally would have wanted to have been this professional wrestler called Kane. He was my favorite wrestler. Oh. He called the Big Red Machine. He had like a, a red suit, like a full red suit, had one arm out, like a sleeveless arm. But his st- story was he was burned as a child, so he had to wear this mask. It was all fire. Like he'd put his hands in the air and slam him down. Fucking fire would come out of the ring and stuff like that. Like, oh, my gosh. I think every kid growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s loved Kane. Everyone loved Kane as a wrestling fan. So I, I would totally have gone as Kane as a kid if I could have. Is there currently a wrestler called Sid? There was a guy called Sid Vicious in the 90s. Oh, okay. No, I think, well, I don't know. There was a, a, a clip doing the rounds on social media. I mean, I've got a few wrestling guys who will occasionally put stuff into my timeline. And there was some, yeah, some big, beefy, blonde guy. That's Sid Vicious on the 90s. By, really? Sid, Sid Psycho or Sid Vicious? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. It just said Sid. You know, he sort of got into the ring and um, said something like, what's my name? And a big Sid came up. Like in flames or something. Uh, it would have been Sid. The Sid Vicious I'm talking about. It would have been 90s. But there was like curly blonde hair. Yes. Yeah, Tim. Yeah. Oh, there's an old one. Okay, then. Yeah, he's from the 90s. He looked, yeah. he, he, he looked badass. Oh, like he that did. Guy. Terrible wrestler, apparently. But it was before my time. But um, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> apparently, he was a scary dude. <laughs> Terrible wrestler. 
It was a scary video. When I say scary, I mean gory, I guess you could say. He was jumping off the ropes just to do a simple move. He's landed his foot wrong, just snaps his leg. It's <laughs> horrific. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to get me sort of drummed out of the cool squad or anything like that. But, I mean, I'm not a huge wrestling guy, but, like I said, there are clips sort of doing the rounds. And one was that Logan Paul guy. He's fucking doing really got- well, apparently. He, he, I mean, he's, he was, was doing boxing jumped, was for a while. Was it he jumped from one rope to the other kind of thing? And yeah, he collided well, he with the guy? he slammed into some other guy in the in the mid. Yeah. yeah. There was, he was at one side of the ring, the other guy was the other, and they were like, yeah. come on, baby, let's do this. And they jumped up and slammed <laughs> into one another. I'm like, come on, baby, let's do this. <laughs> something like that. I'm just like, wow, that's pretty rad. Because, I mean, he was like getting into boxing matches with like legit boxers. Yeah. And they were saying, I mean, I don't know how much of this was beat up or whatever. It was like- no, no, he can hold his own. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, you know. So, um, and now he's doing the wrestling thing. So, but he, I mean, he's in shape. He looks like yeah. ripped. Well, everyone's like, apparently a lot of the wrestlers were like, oh, this fucking guy coming in thinking he can just, like, you know, come be, be a wrestler. And he comes in, does this shit, and everyone's like, oh, hot damn. <laughs> so, so like, How did he get so good? It's like, he fucking trained. He's just naturally good. It's like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm not a good professional wrestler then. But anyway, next yeah. question <laughs> comes from... Andrew JP, who's your favourite sports commentator? Any sport, but we assume Aussie rules will be the dominant one. Well, the biggest one in Australia of all time has got to be Bruce McAvaney, right? He does football, yes. Olympics, horse racing. He's like, he's the special. commentator. Yeah, That's special. Yeah, special. <laughs> he's the one, if, um, if you've ever seen the, the clip of Kathy Freeman winning gold at the 2000 Olympics, he's the one doing the commentary for that. And yeah, his, his commentary is just, it's... It's nostalgia for me because he was like everywhere when I was growing up. But he just yeah. adds this layer. You can feel his passion through his commentary, can't you? Yeah, he's a real he's a real sports fan, but also someone who is very well versed in pretty much any topic that he has to commentate on. You can tell he does the work. Yeah. So yeah, but he also brings this great deal of enthusiasm. So yeah, McAvaney, absolute legend. Rex Hunt was always entertaining. I mean, but I get the feeling he was more in the Rex Hunt business than the commentating business. If you know, he's what kind I mean. of been cancelled now too, Rex Hunt. Well, that too. Yeah. Um, and Dennis Cometti was pretty yeah, good as well as an one. AFL. Bruce, Bruce and Dennis, as, yeah. a, as a football commentator. Yeah. No one likes BT. No one likes Brian Taylor. Nah, just the, everyone just seems obnoxious now about like trying to promote themselves. But Dennis Cometti's mm-hmm. greatest line, I may have already said this in the podcast, Adam Uze, right? Melbourne footballer. His last name was pronounced Uze. It was Y-Z-E, right? I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Adam Uze, great footballer, terrible scrabble hand. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a lot of legend. Anyway, so right, we'll just wrap this up. A couple more quick ones. Brian Hughes, what is more likely? Friendly robot assistance or Skynet? It'll be friendly robot assistants. Who become Skynet. Yeah, but You watch Terminator now. When it first came out, it felt like, oh yeah, that's in the future. You watch it now and you're like, Are we that far away from this? I'm a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on for a while about this, and my ideas are a little sort of all over the shop, so I won't go too deep into it. But I've made my living as a writer for a couple of decades now, and um, you know, hearing th- about things like chatbots and all that kind of business, and AI programs that can actually write stuff if you give them a prompt and all that kind of business. You know, you get a lot of writers saying, "Oh, you know, it'll just put the shit writers out of business." But you know, there's a lot of shit writing out there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I think a lot of writers are going to go out of business. So, you know, and what are they going to do? What would somebody think about the writers? When they start hosting their own podcast, then we're in trouble, mate. Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> you know what's cool, though? I did see there's, there's AI now where you can take someone's voice and it can actually just create dialogue using that voice. So there's a clip I whacked up on the YouTube channel that, that one of... Uh, I think it was William Todd's, I believe his name is. Um, 
put up in mm-hmm. one of the Simpsons groups. He did steamed hams, but he he's voiced he's dubbed Skinner in with Skinner's voice. It sounds like Harry Shearer with dropping swear bombs like an Australian swear bombs like C bomb oh. and things like that. And it's crazy to think that wait a minute we're at the point now when. We don't need the voice actors anymore. We can just take their voice no. and just type in what we want them to say, and it will just say it. And then you look at deep fakes as well. I mean, oh, um, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, what, what they're doing with Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones. I mean, you, go back. I don't know when did Tron Legacy come out. That's like ten years ago, 2010, 2011 or something like that. So yeah, 12, 11, 12 years ago. And you look at what they did for to sort of de-age Jeff Bridges in that. Horrific. Like, oh no, that looks super fake and terrible jump ahead and you look at, I mean, well, when did Ant-Man and the Wasp come out? That wasn't that long ago, but they had, um, they had DH Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's like, oh my God, you know, that's incredibly realistic. And then you not only look at what they've done for the new Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford, but um, someone found some clip of him now as 80 years old and they deep faked it. So he looked 40 or something and it was so convincing. Yeah. It's like this kid. Yeah. It could ver- the genie could very easily sort of you, you, you can't put it back in the bottle, no. and that's gonna it's gonna um I don't know I think people are gonna get eh, yeah I suppose I could invest in this new story and this new actor that I haven't really heard of but I know Harrison Ford can do the job or oh you know I'd really like to see Jason Momoa as Iron Man rather than Aquaman yeah we made it happen yeah that's cool and scary at the same time what's cool is that we can there will come a point where you can do like, you know, a, sh- a short story series or whatever based around Star Wars, like A New Hope, and just have it look like they made it in 1977 with the act- with the same actors and same voices and everything. But we'll get to a yeah. point where that can happen. And as a fan, I'm excited for that, but it's also scary for those who are actors. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, people are good, but we're also kind of lazy. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, and I think if you give us the option between, here's more of that thing that you really like, or... Take a punt on this thing that you may not like, but could be good. They're like, mm, I think I'll go with the tried and true. It might sort of put the kibosh on originality for a while. I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little scared. Kyle Muldoon says, if you were turned into the last Halloween or fancy dress costume that you ever wore, how would how screwed up are you? Well, I would be Scooby Doo. So I'd be running around solving mysteries and eating hamburger. So I'd be fine. How about you? Cle- clever Kyle. Um, I'd be a vampire because uh, I remember I did go to one Halloween party back in the early nineties hosted by my friend Steve. And um, I didn't really vamp it up too much. I think I uh, just slicked my, well, <laughs> I had hair back then. So I slicked it back, uh, bought some vampire fangs and wore like a long black coat. So I think I was trying to be like one of the Lost Boys or something. How often did you go, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is Mailbag for Treehouse of Horror 16. Thank you to each and every single one of you who are listening to this right now. We love your support. You're absolute legends. And if you haven't done so yet, here's a few things, a few jobs for the week. A, go on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, if you, or however you listen to this podcast, chuck us five stars and leave a few kind words. We'd love to see some new reviews coming through on there. Not just five-star reviews, but some written reviews as well. And we'll read it out on the show. Also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can write to simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. The next episode of season 17 is going to be the episode titled Marge's Sun Poisoning, which is a really sweet Marge and Bart story. I remember watching it a few weeks back. So, if you got any questions for that one, Marge's Sun Poisoning, or if you just got a few kind words, or if you just got something to say to us, just a message or just a question about the Simpsons in general, you send them to Simpsons Mailbag 
at gmail.com. The next uh, guy on Springfield review that you guys are going to be getting in your ears is, in fact, going to be uh, Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie Show. And I won't reveal who the guest star is for that one, as well <laughs> as a pretty pretty cool guest star we've got lined up uh, to talk about the music of The Simpsons in an upcoming guy on Springfield as well. You may have seen it on our social media. If you don't follow us on social media, then you won't be aware. So go check it out on the Facebook page. You'll find out who is going to be discussing the music of The Simpsons on an upcoming guy on Springfield as well for all you guys. And, of course, you get early access, early ad-free access even, to all the guy on Springfield episodes on our Patreon. You don't get them week before you might get them a month later on the free feed but if you want to get them now in your ears you've got to be a supporter of ours on patreon and remember when we hit that big 1000 supporter mark there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of you out there listening right now once we hit that just 1000 mark on patreon bob's pods in your ear so make sure you do it guys support us support you guys here at the four finger discount network and get bod's pods off the ground just by becoming one of our one of a thousand patrons to get us there but thank you so much for all of your support so far just listening to the show we love you for it this has been our review of treehouse of horror 16 the next season 17 episode is going to be marge's sun poisoning mr davis any final words for those listeners out there that's going in my playbook